All right, this is part two. I had to do one, two parts before we podcast this. All right. So we're uh, joined by Tom and Bryce, and um, we uh, just flipped from Second Corinthians five, where it speaks of the bema seat judgment of Christ. And a lot of people say, well, we're going to get in front of Jesus, and he's going to say, oh, you messed up, you know, pull the lever, you know, you're going down to purgatory. It doesn't say that. Just just to be clear on it, go back to 2 Corinthians 5. For we, This is verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The Greek is the bema seat, bema seat judgment. Now, he's speaking to believers here. He's not talking about... You know, just everybody. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Well, if you did something that wasn't good, you're not going to get a reward for it. You're going to receive, and appear before the judgment, everyone may receive the things done in his body. If you look at Romans 14, and it's, um, um, well, it's verse 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And there is that bema again. You're going to stand before. The judgment seat of Christ is, that's not the white throne judgment of God the Father at what we believe is the millennial age, uh, the thousand year end uh, at the end of it. Um, so, uh, you left handed, Tom? How are you going to play? Just restring that guitar? Um, I play right normal. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, that's good. Yeah. It could have been like Jimi Hendrix, you know? Yeah. Play a two. Upside down strap. Yeah. That's how he did it. Did you buy that guitar that was on the wall? No, he did not. I gave it to him. I didn't buy it, no. Mm -hmm. It was very charitable. (laughs) Yeah, but you have to pay forward, not back, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you guys had already done that for folks and helped them out. Um, So, we stand before this judgment seat. To receive rewards, there's a lot written about the rewards that, that you would receive. And some won't receive much. You know, um, deathbed conversions. You know, let's uh, look for a moment at Galatians chapter 2. And um, so... um, trying to decide where to put in here as Jay Vernon McGee says. Um, Let's just look at verse 11. Now Peter had been teaching Judaizing. Verse 11 of Galatians 2, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. 
But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision, of the Jewish Hebrews. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But Peter was teaching that. What do we know about Peter? Well, he gave that amazing sermon at Pentecost. And he spoke in a heavenly language that people who spoke different languages could understand in their own language. We've read this. He was the man of the hour. He served God mightily in that moment. Before he got to that point, he made a mistake. He told Jesus, if they all deny you, I won't. And we think we know ourselves. You know, something came up the other day and giving John McCain down the road for saying too much in that Vietnam prisoner of war place. And we'd like to think we wouldn't. But you know, our own CIA has learned that they've never found someone that wouldn't crack under being waterboarded. And I don't know, do you know what waterboarding is? They tip you backwards and pour. You think you're drowning. You wouldn't need any more water than that right there. And that's all it takes. A person starts talking. God knows our hearts. And if we make mistakes, he saw it coming. He wasn't surprised. Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus said, you're going to do it before the rooster crows. And the third time, Peter denied Christ. Oh, I don't know him. I'm not with him. The rooster crowed. Um, and he felt horrible. He probably felt about as low as a man could feel. Not only did he feel as though he had sealed his fate in hell, he probably hated it just as much that he turned on the best person he'd ever known. But how did Jesus handle this? Well, he went to him. And he told him before, actually, before he denied him, he said, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows, but when you have turned back, go and strengthen your brethren. That sounds a little strange. Peter is going to deny the Lord, but then he would turn back and Jesus said, now go strengthen them. Go strengthen the ones who didn't deny me. 
How does this work? Doesn't take much thought. Peter's going to go back to the other disciples and say, I want to tell you all about something. I want to tell you about the grace of God. I have experienced it. You all have not experienced it yet, but certainly you will. Or if you've experienced it, you haven't experienced it to the degree I have because I did deny him three times. So Peter was able to bear witness to the grace of God. So um, we got chickens over here. That's a chicken. We're going to strike it rich in poultry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we got a groundhog on the back porch too. My wife saw a hit on the road and just knocked her little nose sideways and knocked her out. And She's nursing her back to health. She's coming along. What? <clears throat> we all need the grace of God because we will all fall short of His glory. And, and, and um, you know, some of these um, charismatic churches, like the Pentecostals, and they've got a childlike form of worship. It's beautiful, honestly. But um, they live in fear that, oh my goodness, I took a cough syrup and it had alcohol in it. Going to hell. How am I going to fix this? I better get on the cupcake ministry in a heartbeat. And we're going to be the bake sale champions out here and God will strike my alcoholic cough syrup off the list. They live in that constant state of a conundrum that like you know but here's Peter not even listening to Paul here by the way because we find in Acts chapter 10 God lowers a sheet out of heaven with all these different kind of animals and God says go and kill and eat and Peter not so Lord I've never eaten anything unclean by the way, I won't deny you anymore. Um, but God told him, go kill and eat. He said, don't call it unclean what I have made clean. Now that applied to the Gentiles who could find salvation in Christ just, just like the Jewish people, just like the Hebrew people. It also applied to what you could eat. We have an interesting passage in 1 Timothy 4. What can you eat? There are people out there that are Christians. They're, they're believers. They're saved. But they have been taught that they must keep the Jewish dietary laws. The, you know, you can't eat shrimp or scallops or anything that feeds off the bottom. You cannot eat uh, an animal with a cloven hoof like a pig you can't eat that pig and there's certain other things that you can't eat chapter 4 of first timothy now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies and hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, certain foods, basically. Meats is foods in the King James. Which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving 
of them which believe and know the truth. Of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God, verse 4, is good and nothing to be refused. If it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. It's nice to be living in the age and the dispensation of grace and to be saved not by what we do or did, but by what Jesus Christ did. He is the one who bought our salvation for us. And yes, He would like for us to keep His commands, to love one another, to have compassion one toward another, and not alienate people especially people who have a heart for God. We certainly have been in different places ourselves over the age of time. I'll be 60 years old this year. I've been all over the map in my younger years and was an atheist till about age 40. What do we see in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8? Does God reward you if you do something good? Yeah, but guess what? He does not punish you with hell if you do something bad. He's already paid your way out of hell. Would you like to show Him appreciation for what He has done and do His will? You should. Verse 8 Ephesians 6, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. If you are helpful to someone who's in a spot, you help them out. You, um, somebody lacks a coat and it's cold outside, or they lack food, you find out that they're not being well fed and you have the ability to do something about it you better hightail it and do something about it these are the things that the Lord expects you know when we see in Matthew 25 let's just turn there the sheep and the goats this is a works based judgment this is after he returns to rule and reign here on earth Matthew 25 Verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be... No, let's, let's clarify something here. You know in 1 Thessalonians 4, it is said that we are caught up to be in the clouds. We are caught up. First of all, the dead in Christ rise first, and then we who are alive and remain are caught up to be with him in the clouds. Guess what? He's coming back and we're going to be coming with him because this is an earthly reign of a thousand years. And there are people here. There are people who survived hell on earth through what the Bible literally describes as a tribulation period of seven years. 
and Bud and I were talking earlier, you got it. If there's no reason to take this thing allegorically, you take it at face value. Now, there's, you know, when Jesus says, I'm the door, it doesn't mean he's got two hinges and a latch. But when he tells you that this is going to happen in this particular way, don't allegorize it. Just accept that this is what it's going to be. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. Well, great day, there's nations out there at this particular period of time. Isn't that interesting? And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Do you want to be here? No. But this would be better than being a goat. I don't want to be entering the millennial age in a flesh and blood body. But Isaiah 65 depicts it exactly that way. You can still die. There's some differences. Women aren't hurting in child labor. It doesn't hurt to have babies anymore. Looks like your years could be a thousand. The years of a tree. It says if a man dies, we were talking about this earlier, if he dies at a hundred years, it'll thought, be thought to be accursed. This is Isaiah 65. Describing what we're getting in, going into right here with the sheep and the goat's judgment. So these sheep, they, they go into this kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was unhungered, I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto thee, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what hell was for. God never meant to put a single person in there. But some people put themselves in there because of what they do with their free will, of how they turn their hearts. For I was a hungered and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you took me not in. Naked and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? And he shall answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. This is uh, the judgment of the sheep and the goats, it's often called. And, when you get things mixed up, 
the lineage of Scripture and how it works, you can come up with some convoluted theology. Uh, the Bible's pretty complex. I mean, the way to get saved, you can write it on the back of a business card, John 3.16. How did the American Indians get saved? How did people who lived before this word was spread globally, could they be saved? Yep. They didn't go right to God until Jesus led them out of captivity. After he spent three days in the grave, he went to a place known as Abraham's bosom. You'll see it called in Luke uh, 16. A place of comfort. There's where Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, of course Moses, all the saints throughout the ages could not go to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. Scripture is very clear on that. But they could go to a place of comfort, to a place of rest. And Jesus led them out. When we pass from this life now, and we know Christ, and we have believed on Him, even if we've got some doctrine messed up, and people are going to have it, just look at the standard Protestant Christian beliefs. Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, you got Pentecostal, you got Church of God, two different types of Church of God, Church of Christ, just a lot of different ones that um, they end up arguing and they end up fighting. They all believe in Jesus and they all believe that there's no salvation outside of Him, but they have some very distinct differences. Many of them are not properly discerning and taking the time to read what has been written. <clears throat> you know, when you're a young man and you you got a love letter. Well, no, you get a love letter. You got a shoebox full. Some young lady you're interested in. Oh, this is from Mary. Uh, yeah, Mary says she loves me on top of the shoebox. That's great. And you put it under the bed. You don't even open it. You don't even open the letters. You know why? Because you don't love Mary. You don't love this hypothetical love interest. You don't really care. If you really do care about this person, you're going to open every one of those letters. You're going to read through it all. You're going to see what's there. And you'll begin to put together a picture of who the person really is because they poured their heart and soul out to you. And I would submit that that is what God has done here. He has poured His heart and soul out to all mankind. Psalm 19. These American Indians, you know. And you know, early um, mission trips to Japan didn't fare too well. The Japanese are very much into their ancestors and where they are. And they, some of them worship ancestry and that's not right but that's what they do so when some knuckle dragon neanderthal baptist tells a japanese person that his ancestors while well, they're in hell they didn't they didn't accept the gospel well that's usually end of the conversation there isn't it because one of the things they're going to wonder about is well what kind of a god would leave my great-grandparents 
to perish to hell because nobody ever brought the Bible over here. Well, this this so-called missionary telling that to the Japanese or to other cultures is not well schooled on what the Bible he professes to teach actually says. Psalm 19, the beginning. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Verse 3 again, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Well, you might say an American Indian was a simple kind of a fellow or a simple kind of a young lady or old lady. Simple kind of folks. Well, how'd they make it to heaven? There are people out there professing to teach this Bible that will tell you they're all in hell. That, that's wrong. That flies in the face of truth. The heavens declare the glory of God. Day unto day they utter a speech. There's no speech or language, verse 3, where their voice is not heard. Verse 4 again, their line has gone out through the earth, all the earth, and their words, 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 to the end of the world. God has spoken to all mankind. Quote Titus 2.11, Bob, so we don't have to turn there. The gift of salvation has appeared to all men. Mm-hmm. The gift of salvation that brings... That's Titus 2.11. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God, my Savior, Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm one of my Titus is wrong. One of the but one Titus. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. You quoted it right. Just checking up on you. Thank you. To all men? I you mean an ancient, ancient Japanese man? Yeah. What about these Greeks that worship these mythological gods? I don't believe they were mythological at all. As you know, we were talking earlier, but Genesis 6 says these fallen angels made babies with human women. That's what Genesis 6 literally says. And it says these were the Nephilim in the Hebrew. These were the giants. These giants were men of renown, it said. Well, they pretty much all died in the flood. But they were able to do superhuman, supernatural things. Do you think the ancient Greeks just sat around council table at some point in ancient history and said, you know what we need? We got infrastructure, we've got aqueducts, we've got agriculture, we got what we need, except, you know what? We need to cook us up some gods. Anybody got any ideas on some gods that we could start worshiping? No, they saw these characters. They, now, 
Did these characters exaggerate their capabilities? Of course they did. Atlas probably stood on his head and said he was holding up the earth. But they believed that Atlas was holding up the earth. Now, they never got past what he was standing on other than to say he was standing on a giant turtle, no more questions. That's literally the truth. These characters existed. I think that they probably, just like that fish you caught when you were 12 or 13 years old, just grows by an inch or two every year you retell the story. <laughs> or that shot you took on that deer was a little further away. So they probably um, embellished. Where did the Japanese come up with dragons? They were contemporary with dinosaurs. That's where. The Creation Museum, you've got human footprint and a dinosaur track. Sediment. Contemporary. The whole idea that the earth is, is, is billions of years old is a lie. And there's, n there's more than enough evidence to prove it wrong, but the pushback from the so-called scientists and the secularists and the people who are terrified that you're going to believe what this Word of God says. Oh, no, no, you're just an idiot. You've got a tenfold hat you need to put on. Um, plenty of evidence. One of the best evidences is comets. They've been studying comets long enough to know that they only last so long. That tail flying behind them as they fly through space, well, that's stuff coming off of them. They're burning up. I remember in 2015, we went to the Creation Museum. It was Comet Ison making another round through our little solar system. Going to lap around the sun. It had been recorded as having done that two or three times prior across history. Guess what? This time it didn't make it back. And some scientists who really study the truth said it might not make it, it may not come back from around the other side of the sun. That might be it. And it was, it's gone. Do you think those things have been flying around billions of years? Because the, the people that want you to believe that say, well, when the Big Bang blew up and all this stuff went everywhere and it's threw all these little sparks, like sparks from a fire, and they're comets and they've been flying around billions of years, miraculously not running out of uh, material when you see it streaming from their tails. They have concluded that they can do that for four or 5,000 years. And that's about where we think we are. Because the literal teaching in the Bible it is not billions of years. It was, well, there was an earth before the time of Genesis. And all these dinosaurs lived and then they died. A, a meteor hit the earth. A meteor hit the earth. And it killed all the dinosaurs. How did it kill the dinosaurs when the Bible clearly says how death came into the world. There's a certain way death came into the world through the sin of Adam and Eve. So you shouldn't have anything dying prior to that. And I don't think you did have. But uh, when the Japanese saw these pterodactyls and pteranodons flying around, well, it's flying, flying dragon right there. Uh, what about the fire breathing? I was so enthralled to hear, and it was a secular program they were talking about, and I forget which um, particular dinosaur it was, the really large one that eats trees, y'all know? Brontosaurus. Yeah. Well, they said that it, that you would, it would have composted all of this vegetation in its stomach. 
and, you, and it would uh, put off a gas. And if there were certain conditions present when it belched, it would be a flash of fire. So here's a fire-breathing dragon that the Chinese, you think the Chinese just made that up? I don't I think they saw them. They found chambers in the head, the skulls of those things where they had two distinct chemicals. So we have a lot of things that are bioluminescent. Yeah. You know, lightning bugs for one. And that may be, too, the source of the fire. I saw that. They were ca uh, caverns in the actual skull. Plankton in the water. Oh, yeah, plankton. Yeah, that gives off light. Fox fire in the woods, right? That's right. So um, remember the first time I saw that, I thought we were campsite was haunted. It's a, it's a vine that glows in the dark when all the lights out. <laughs> yeah. But um, all things to know, there is a God. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do we pursue him? You pursue him with your heart. You, you, you turn your heart toward him and you willingly listen. And uh, all the while knowing we will have things that are not 100% correct. But, uh, you know, if your relationship to Christ is intact, then there you go. That, he said that's how you're saved. That's how you come into the, into the kingdom of heaven. That's how you come before God the Father through Jesus Christ. You know, Christ is the living, visible image of the living God, the Bible tells us. We're made in His image, body, soul, and spirit. The body of God is Jesus Christ. Do you think Jesus Christ has always been? Look at John chapter 1. Let's look at John chapter 1. was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Look at verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Who's the Word being spoken of in John 1 and 14? Jesus Christ was made flesh and dwelt among us. He existed before He was made flesh and dwelt among us because it says in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was uh, with God, and the Word was God. Yeah. Um, and He made us in His image with a body and a soul and a spirit. And we all have a body and a soul and a spirit. Our spirit's dead until it's made alive in Christ. When it all comes down, folks, we are going to have all had a bushel basket full of screwed up notions. But thank God we're not judged on that. We are judged on who do we say the Lord Jesus Christ is. Who do we say? Will He let you color outside the lines? Will He let you make a mistake? If your heart's in the right place, that mistake's not going to hurt you. I use this analogy a fair bit. I'll use it again. If you're a young parent and your child brings you a crayon drawing of uh, well, here, here dad this is you and your truck and, and you're going to work and this is the house and here's our dog Spot the dog is as tall as the house 
as I drive my truck, my head extends through the roof and I'm looking over it smiling. You have the typical adolescent sky, about an inch of blue from the top of the page and, and then below it a yellow sun with all of the rays coming out. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to mock your child for trying to relate to you with a drawing that he or she made for you? You're going to put that on your refrigerator. You're going to love that for what it means. This is the heart of a child coming to the father, you, with how they see you. And the next child, maybe a sibling, will draw it differently. But it, as long as it's done in love and in the basic truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll he'll take he'll 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 get rid of the rough spots. He will. He did that with Peter, didn't he? Finally, had to lower a sheet down, jerk a knot in Peter's tail. Said, "Stop what you're teaching. This isn't true." I've made all things here clean. I've made people clean. Don't say they're not clean. This is how we move forward in this life that we're in, hoping, praying we can bring people to the cross, to true salvation, without works. That said, God expects works. James says, show me your faith um, without works. I'm not sure you got any faith. He said, I'll show you my faith by my works. What do I do? Do I do anything worthwhile? Hey, babe. Did you guys get enough to eat? There's some macaroni and cheese down there. Would you like some macaroni and cheese? I'm okay, thank you. Are you sure? All full. So, um, always keeping these things in mind. Trust in your spirit what's right and not, you know... You know, listen to the Lord. But when we do good works, it's not to gain position. It's not to get a leg up on your neighbor. Oh, God's going to prepare a place for me. And I bet you my place got a better view than the place He's preparing for you because you don't do much. I haven't seen you doing nothing here lately. I bet I got a picture, wind of view of the ocean. I bet, I bet you'd be looking at the... Uh, local garbage dump because of how you are. <laughs> that's pride, is it not? And that's what Peter had when he said, I won't deny you. That's what Job had that caused him to have to go through everything Job went through. Speaking of Job, by the way, in Dinosaurs, chapters 40 and 41, you've got Leviathan and Behemoth the description of dinosaurs without a doubt. And God's talking to Job about them. Many believe Job is older than the uh, five books of Moses, being the oldest book in the, uh, in the Bible. But Job uh, began to be chastened for some reason, and you have to get on well into the uh, book of Job to realize what it was. He, uh, he had a lot of pride. He, at one point, there's a, there's a half a verse that people quote the wrong way. Though he slay me, yet, you know, I will worship him. <clears throat> there's another part to that. 
but I will maintain my innocence. That's the rest of that verse. Y'all familiar with this? Though he slay me, I will. I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't reject him. Even if he slays me, even if that mean old God the Father and his semi-righteousness slays me, me and my righteousness, I won't reject him. I will maintain my innocence. Great day. I've heard preachers talk about how Job was innocent as the driven snow. No. Job's a lesson in what you don't want to do. You don't want to point fingers. When people are making a sincere effort to get to know the God of this Bible, the God who made them, if their effort is sincere, careful with their hearts because God is watching. God is watching. So we probably got a little bit over an hour since we got two parts of this. Um, I don't really have anything else other than to just you know say that Yes, you will have expectation. God will have expectations of you as far as serving Him. He told Peter, feed my sheep three times. But just don't make any mistake that you're earning salvation by being obedient. Because the problem with that the problem with that is that um, when you mess up, and you will, you don't want to be like the, the Pentecostal believer that's in just a constant state of turmoil. Oh, that day I woke up, I can't believe what I did. That dream I had last night, I can't even refrain from sinning in my sleep. You know, that's covered. The Bible's very explicitly clear on that. Would you like to have rewards from the Lord? Would you like to see that you've served Him well and He gives you the evidence, crowns or whatever it may be? Serve Him. It's not going to guarantee your spot in heaven because that's already been guaranteed. Some people show up with their coattail smoking. One last passage and we'll close tonight. This is going to be uh, 1 Corinthians 3. What are you talking about, Turbo? <clears throat> Verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 3, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. You can't lay another foundation other than the one that Jesus laid for you. And what you build on that foundation is up to you. Verse 12 says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, or hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. What day is this? I would say it's the beam of seat judgment. Here we are. You know, next. Okay, you can go walking up to the throne. Boy, you got a lot of wood and hay and stubble here. Wood and hay and straw. Probably be me. Still saved. Listen further. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. 
If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Remember we started in 2 Corinthians 5 and the Bema Seat Judgment. You get a reward if you what you have built. Maybe you bring some people into heaven by your testimony. Well, God's not going to lose them to hell because you didn't do your job. He'll find somebody to step in and get it done. But he'd rather you do it. Verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Look at this. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So you're going to be saved anyway if you're, if you're lacquer, if you're slacker, if you're not doing anything. If you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that he died and rose again to set aside your sin debt, if you believe that, then there you are. Your works might get burned up. You didn't give, give to the poor. You saw somebody that could have used something you had you didn't need. You didn't give it to them. Verse 16, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. If you are in Christ, and you are acting in a very ugly, giving a very bad testimony as to what a Christian is supposed to look like, he said he'd destroy you. Won't go to hell. You know, let's get pulled out of here a bit early. The sin unto death is talked about in First uh, John. All right. So there we go. And um, let us pray. And Heavenly Father, God, by Your Holy Spirit, we do ask You in our midst to just cleanse our minds in a way that we could turn our heads towards You without shame. Lord God, help us to know truth. Help us to pursue the righteous path. Help us to separate the wheat from the chaff the meat from the bones help us just to know what's important and what is not important in our seeking of you thank you god for being with us thank you for this evening we pray in jesus name amen, amen. and there we are